You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Keo Stroud, is one of the funniest and hardest working drummers I know. He is best known for his years touring with Big and Rich, but he has a long and diverse career in music, and he is now an independent session musician based out of Nashville and playing some pretty great gigs as his schedule allows. We are going to talk about how he got his start, his transition from life as a constantly touring drummer, and we will hear some encouraging words for other drummers as well. So come along with me as I catch up with Keo Stroud. Keo, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it is great to see you. Although I did just see you. I just saw. Yeah. Three weeks ago, right? Saw you in person at PASIC. So long. We got to hang at PASIC, which was so much fun. It was. It was great. Yeah. No, I, I was good. That was a much needed uh, getaway and uh, see old friends. Not that you're old, but, you know, I've known you <laughs> for a few years. So. <laughs> We've known each other a long time. Neither yeah. of us are old. It's okay. No. No. <laughs> But we were on a panel together, which was super fun. It was the drum set um, panel discussion. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what PASIC is, it's the Percussive Art Society International Convention that happens every year in Indianapolis in November. And it's just like a big family reunion, basically. But um, It really is. <laughs> right? <laughs> so great. Um, but we were on a panel discussion together, and you were so fantastic and brought the humor as always so i appreciated uh, that it's what i do it's what i do uh no it was that was actually a lot of fun i learned a lot of stuff and it was really cool like to be on a panel with like those guys you know it's like you know two of those dudes are like my heroes uh one i just recently met uh, a couple years ago and then i've known rich for a while so so terry i just met but rich i've known for a while so yeah it was like it was way cool. And to be included in that was like, oh, wow. Like, all right. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and like, I thought it was really cool because everyone really had their area of expertise and had their their place. You know what I mean? In that discussion, it was uh, Greg Bissonette, Peter Erskine, Rich Stitzel, and Trey O'Toole and you. Um, and everyone kind of came at the questions and the discussion from like their own perspective, which was different, you know? So Oh, it, yeah. was, it was it was fun. But so sitting up there with, you know, you mentioned like Greg and, and Peter being two of your heroes, like those moments. How does that feel? I was kind of surreal, just to be honest, because like I feel like I like I grew up with their careers. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, those guys had careers before I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I maybe not before I was born, maybe Peter probably before I was born. But like I was a kid. So I remember watching uh, I remember watching Greg Bissonette on MTV. Um, yeah. I also remember like watching clips of Peter Erskine like on various like late night shows with Steely Dan back in the day. And then when the uh, when drum videos became a thing before YouTube, uh, I remember just buying every time those guys would put out something, I'd buy it and and check it out. And I remember like Peter Erskine had that one video where his symbols looked weird. And I guess they, they had sprayed some sort of stuff on the symbols to like to like knock the shine down. Uh, really? kind of 
Yeah, he talked about that on something like many, many years ago. But there's a, there's a, I forget which one it is, but there's a video of him playing. But like, you see the symbols, and you're like, what's, why do they look so weird? Yeah. yeah. And, and what's funny is that like today, there are symbols that look like that now, like on purpose. Right. On purpose. Right. <laughs> That's so uh, yeah, but it was really cool. And I, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen Greg in a few years. I met Greg many years ago and I met Peter a couple of years ago in Nashville. So we, we have, we've met each other like kind of in passing more fanboy, like, Oh my God, you know, kind of deal as opposed to like, Oh, yo, man, we're cool. I play yeah. drums, you play drums, you know? Yeah. And uh, the coolest thing about that for me was uh, for those guys to accept me as a peer and, mm-hmm. and my and my opinions as equal, if that yes. makes any sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were like, it wasn't like they were, I said something, they were like, shut up. I mean, they could have when I was okay <laughs> with that. But you know what I mean? They, they were, yeah. you know, we, we went back and forth about some things and they were like, oh man, I mean, I saw them like writing stuff down that I was saying, which yes. I thought was hilarious. You gave some really great tips and suggestions, like coming from a whole different perspective. And that's what I loved about that panel discussion. Afterward, a lot of people came up and they were like, you know, I learned so much. And that made me super happy because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. Like, yeah. Well, that's where all there. I mean, that was, that's the beauty of that whole convention, you know, or that whole thing. I'm even going to call it a convention. I'm going to call it a movement. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole th- The cool thing about that is that everyone comes to learn and to fellowship. You know what I mean? It's like you get together, uh, you see people that you haven't seen in years. You see people you saw just last week. Um, and, then yeah. there's, and then you meet people that you've never seen before in, in various things, you know, and you, and you, it's either at the bar or at a, at a clinic or at a master, you know, like you see people and then you see the same people going to the same thing you're going to. And you're like, Oh, Hey man, like you like what I like. What's mm-hmm. your name? You know? And they're like, Oh, oh, my name is Benny Greb. You're like, Oh, Hey Benny. No, you know, <laughs> you know, and I said the same thing, like for, for a drummer um, coming up too. like, where else do you get the chance to just like sit at the bar with, Benny Grubb or run into Dave Weckl as he's picking up his pizza from the, you know, the <laughs> restaurant or like that kind of thing. Or go to the, go to the jam night and like really get a chance to be up close and personal with, you know, oh, totally, all yeah. the, the cats. Like that's, that to me is the meaning of Hasek, like connecting people like that and, and making them feel part of this, like community, you know, like oh. it's a community event, right? Abs- oh, absolutely. It's like, when's the last time you saw Dave Buckle play in a hotel lobby? Mm. Yeah. Right. You know, you know what I mean? So or when's the last time? You know, yeah, yeah. Or you see like, you know, like Jason McGurr I, I, in 2000, uh, 2019, when I did a clinic for basic, I, Jason McGurr was there hanging out, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. And, mm-hmm. and this, and if this year, my buddy Wit, uh, he plays drums for the band Old Dominion, mm-hmm. who is, a, a wildly successful drummer that we people just don't know. I know that sounds really silly, but his band is, they've done really, really well. You know, they've yeah. been doing stadiums with Chesney and stuff like that, but he was there just kind of hanging out with some friends and, and going to clinics and taking it all in. And, and it was cool because I mean, I know him and I'm like, man, if that guy like takes time off from being away from his family after touring to come see this, then like, I feel like more people should 
probably come see this. Right. Because, I, you know I, what I mean? Because right. and, I, and that's why I keep talking about it. Cause I'm like, drummers need to know about this. Like, and, and young drummers and everything. Like I didn't know PASIC was happening when I was a young drummer and I was in school, but I didn't know about it. And yeah. like, how great would that have been? I know a lot of schools come and, you know, I know. I have to look this up. So pardon me for looking this up, but I'm trying to remember what year this was because you'll laugh about this. Uh, uh, I went to PASIC for the first time, uh, I think in 1992. Oh, really? Yeah, I was, I was in middle school. So yeah. So 92, I think in Atlanta, I think that's what it was. I could be wrong, but I remember, and it it was either 92 or 91. Either way, I can't remember. Anyway, but that was the first time I went. And I remember meeting Herb, Herb Brockstein, who uh, was who owned Pro Mark at that time. Mm-hmm. I met uh, Chad Smith. Yeah. And then I also, I met Lady London, which makes me believe that it was 91 because I think he passed in 92, but I can't remember. But I do remember, I remember as a kid, not knowing who any of these people were, by the way. I didn't know anybody. I just like, right. I was a kid and it was a, it was a band field trip to go to PASIC for a yes. day. Yes. And my mom was a chaperone. And I remember this really well. Wow. Uh, my mom was a chaperone and, you know, she, it was like, oh, well, go ahead, kids. There's drums or whatever. But, yeah. you had to, but we had to report back, you know, you had to report back to your chaperone every hour. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, and so I remember one uh, uh, one time I went to go report back to my mom because she was my chaperone, and she mm-hmm. was talking to Chad Smith, which wow. I thought was hilarious because she was like telling him, she's like, "Oh yeah, my son plays drums and blah blah yeah. blah blah blah," and and he was like, "Oh cool, yeah, I play drums," you know, and and so I I met him. She was That's like, "Oh, amazing. this is my son," and I was like, "And you know, <laughs> it was." <Yeah. laughs> That's amazing. Because <laughs> I was even shorter then, and he's <laughs> and he's tall, so it was like, yes. you know, but That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, but it is. It's one of those experiences where you really get to like get up close and personal with people that you, you know, see on TV that influence you and influence your oh, playing and all that totally. stuff. So I love I that about it. I know. But, yeah. and, and the next time I went was in '98, actually, in Orlando. Uh. I went with my, my granddad went with me, which is Aww. it's just like this is hilarious, by the way. So we go down to it was in Orlando, so I think it was '98. We go to Orlando, and he comes with me, and it's his first time on an airplane, and it's my first time on an airplane, which is really oh. funny. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so imagine that you have <laughs> these two dudes you have on the airplane for the first time. Uh, but we go down there, and there was a uh, so it was basic was happening. And then there was the Benny Hinn convention, you know, that like the the evangelist guy. Yeah. So I went to PASIC and my grandfather went to the Benny Hinn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and one of my favorite one of my favorite memories of that was we were walking, it was like after like an evening concert or something, we were walking back to our hotel and they had like this like, you know, this fake alligator. Uh, you know, coming out of the water by the convention center or whatever, and we're walking by it, and my granddad sees it. He just goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> 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 I 
up because it's real in Florida, right? Like, and we, both so just, we still laugh about that. I mean, it's been 20 something years ago now. He and I, he, he still the story. He's like, You remember? And I was like, Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So I love it. I love that. <laughs> well, like, so you just talked about your mom chaperoning a pace yeah. trip, right? And your grandfather going with you to, uh, to, Orlando for PASIC. So it sounds like you had a lot of support in your, your dreams, basically. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. My folks were cool, man. They were like really into it. Cause they're also like, my dad's a musician, my granddad's a musician, my great granddad's a musician, you know? So it's kind of, I, I joke and say it's a family business. Uh, but, uh, and my brother was a musician also. My brother's 10 years younger than me. Um, uh, it's weird. He's 10 years and four days younger than me. We almost have the same birthday. Wow, that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. No, uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, we, you know, uh, music was something that was big in our in our house. So I, I I grew up with my grandparents, and so music was a big thing. My grandmother every morning, uh, we had a we were like really fancy folks when I was a kid. Uh, so we had an intercom system in our house, which I think is hilarious. But now yeah. thinking about that, I was like, why do we have anyway? Uh, it's like, how lazy are you that you need the intercom system? They'd be like, okay, come eat, or you know, what I mean, like literally. Yeah, it was, that was a yeah. thing, though. That was a it thing, was, like in the in the nineties, right? Like it's hilarious. I, yeah. I look back on it like, why the hell would we? Yeah. Between that and the, I mean, that and we had a telephone in the bathroom. I thought was really funny. Oh my, my goodness! Like yeah, my grand, style. Oh yeah, my grandfather had a telephone in the bathroom. I thought was really really funny. That's uh, amazing. He still does. That that is so that, so that house. Unfortunately, that house burned down. They rebuilt it oh. almost exactly the same. And one of the things that remained was a telephone in the bathroom. <laughs> so, That's incredible. <laughs> um, Does he call that, you from the bathroom? Do you get bathroom phone calls? I, I haven't in years. I haven't in okay. years. Now, now he just texts me. He just, like, he'll, just, he'll text yeah. me like long novels about he his day. you from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, so with that being said, I grew up with – with them and my grandmother's a singer. My granddad plays piano and bass, and uh, my dad plays guitar, and, and my aunts play and sing, and cousins, all that. And so we always just had music at, at home. So it was always a big thing to have. Uh, we have jam sessions. You know, me and my granddad would work on like drums and bass together and stuff like that. But back to the intercom system, one of the funniest things was the intercom system was hooked up to a record player that we had. And so my grandmother would wake up in the morning and she would pick a record and play it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we woke up every morning. As opposed to hearing the radio, we would hear whatever, you know, and it was like James Brown or the Temptations, or it could be Led Zeppelin, or it could be what, you know, whatever she, cause she had a, she was a funny lady. I mean, she's still, I'm yeah, she's still a funny lady. Uh, so she had a pretty decent record collection of just like it. Of random stuff just the most random shit ever that you would think like you know at that time a 60 year old black woman would have you're like mm-hmm. why do you have this you know <laughs> and you're like, who? huh how do you have scarface you have scarface on vinyl you know <laughs> What's awesome, this? Though. yeah like you know your grandma's hip when she's got like doggy style on on vinyl and you're like <laughs> excuse me grandma <laughs> That's, that's the kind of grandmother I want to be right? Like, that's grandma I, goals I, right I there. Think you, I think you'll do it. Uh, Thank you. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was, but, you know, it was, but it was funny that, you know, 
uh, we would have that. And so I, I was able to have love and appreciate music at an early age and, and, and love the art of making music also. Um, mm -hmm. I got to do, uh, we had a family band. And so I got to do recordings as early as like eight years old. So I would like, I would go in the studio like because I was the drummer. So mm -hmm. I would, and, and my cousin, my cousin Dennis was also a drummer, but like, you know, I, but I was, I was the favorite, you know, cause I was cute and cool, whatever. <laughs> not, was I, not because I was good by any means, but <laughs> it was like, he's available. He's eight, come play drums. Oh my God. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I was some of my earliest playing was minus playing at church was I played in, in a studio uh, and I would do those family records. And it's really funny because I have some of them and they're bad. Um, <laughs> I was just going to ask you that question if you have those recordings. And I, I'm lying. They're not bad, but no. I, I, but I'm being where I'm at now as opposed to where I was when I was eight, nine, 10, 12, oh, 14 sure. years old. You know, I look back and think of like some of my choices and I go, whatever. Uh, but I remember, I remember one time we went in, I was in high school and this is when I was, I, I, I had a, a moment where I thought I wanted to be a pro baseball player, um, which is hilarious, by the way. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was a big baseball fan. Uh, Terry Pendleton was my favorite baseball player. Still is, I guess. And uh, he and I are built the same, except for he's like athletic some kind of way and I'm not. Um, but uh, so I, I played third base and I was mm -hmm. a decent baseball player. I wasn't great, obviously. But when I was in high school, I had to make a choice between playing baseball or music. And I chose mm -hmm. music, and uh, and it was really funny because I, I, you know, I look back on it now and it's like maybe I really wasn't that good at baseball. I just loved it that much, but I'm pretty good at music, so I should, you know, I should do this. Uh, but I remember one time in high school, we were making a record. It was after the I had ditched baseball, you know, the, or the dream of baseball had ditched it, and uh, we were making a record with a, with a producer, like a real record with my family. And the producer was like, uh, "I don't think your your grandson's a good drummer." <laughs> and my granddad was, and my granddad was like, "You know, it's so funny. We're making a like, you know, a Christian record." He's like, "Yeah, fuck you, whatever, dude." Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> so, true story. So they had a guy. They literally had another drummer, like a session drummer, there to basically play if I sucked. Wow. So let's just talk about pressure. No pressure. Right? Pressure, whatever, They're like, right? yeah, you're, you're going to play on this, but here's this guy <sighs> waiting over here. He's That's waiting for you to screw up. Yeah. So we you know, we tried to get a couple tunes, and it was my first time really, really playing with the click. And uh, I and I was – so I was probably 13, I think. So anyway, we're, you know, we're doing it, and it's not gelling the way it's supposed to gel, and the guy was hard-ass. And uh, we – and I remember we, we – after two songs, we finally got – and he was like, I don't know how I feel about this – it's just a waste of time and blah, 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 blah. And then I remember I went to the guy and I said, if playing with the click is a problem, I said, when you guys go to lunch, I said, just leave the click rolling and I'll play to it. And so I forget what tempo it was, but he set the click at a tempo. And for the next hour and a half, I just played a groove for an hour and a half. I was very serious. And my whole deal was I wanted to sync up. I wanted to lock to the click. Mm. And I did it. And so then after lunch, the next song we played, we played it and I I nailed it. And the guy was like, Oh, okay. So the other drummer just went home. 
And I was like, all right. So my confidence was there and it was cool. And what's really funny is that same day I got hit to uh, Peter Erskine on a live, uh, on a live uh, Steely Dan record. <laughs> wow. <That's>, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was, that, that was, that was my, that was, that day was my introduction to Steely Dan also. Cause he said, you should go listen to this record. I love uh, that. Okay. And it, was, and it was a CD. So I did, I, I, I borrowed this guy's CD and I took it back to home, back home, and listed him a Walkman, and then came back with like all these ideas. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I know it's pretty funny, but anyway, sorry, long story, but yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a great story, and I love, I love that. Like, you know, I, I feel like um, the exposure to different styles of music and the exposure to new music, like at whatever age, right? Like it, it oh, totally. You came home with like new ideas, new perspectives, like new things oh. to try and those are the best drummers because they leave you with that oh right? totally yeah and that was and that was the thing about my childhood too that was cool um everything was open like uh we mm. could listen to any kind of music my grandparents would buy me anything my granddad mm. was not really into rap music rap was not his thing it's still not his thing right mm -hmm. uh he's he's like he's funny he's just a funny old man uh but but he's a very open dude but yet very funny um but if I wanted something, they would buy it, and then we had to listen to it together. Mm -hmm. So me and my granddad and my grandmother would listen to it together. And if it was cool, then I got to keep the CD, and I could listen to it on my own. If it wasn't cool, it went in the trash. That was what? just how it was. That was like, and every now and then my grandmother would go and like sneak them out of the trash for me. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That's yeah, I remember, so funny. I remember that my favorite one was uh, I I, I really for whatever reason loved Scarface the, the the rapper. I he had that record the Diary, and mm -hmm. and we listened. We got thirty seconds into it before it went to the trash. Thirty seconds in. <laughs> oh my goodness! He's like, nope, nope, right? Oh <laughs> so, my gosh! So. I remember going, well, all right, there's that. And rightfully so, by the way, because I, at that age, probably should have listened to that stuff. Uh, but my grandmother, she went and got it. And she was like, here, don't tell your grandfather. Oh, that's like, so funny. That, what, what else? Do you remember anything else that went into the trash? I, I, that one did. I think that was like an NWA record that did mostly rap music. Right. Uh, uh, the, the Frank Zappa stuff that I got as a kid, he didn't understand, but it was so weird that he was like, okay, I get it. It's just like, <laughs> whatever, kid. If, if that's what you want to listen to, what, you know. How about and, it, right? And, yeah. and what's really funny is that I realized that the more complex the music was, uh, which is so funny because I play very simple is music now, but the more complex the music was, the more he, forgiving he was about lyrical content. Because he was like, oh, well, this, because he was a musician. So he's like, oh, right. well, this song's in nine. And the kid wants to, he's he's attracted to it because it's in the sound signature. Or, you know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to like, oh, he likes it because it says boats and hoes or whatever. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, I think like you and I are, are pretty close to the same age about. And I think that like we were the, the first generation that had like that ex explicit lyrics Oh yeah. Tag, right. So like our parents or grandparents or whoever was buying us music 
um, when we were too young to buy. ourselves like that was all right this one may not be appropriate and I also had very open parents so they would you know they would really kind of let me listen to whatever it was but definitely there were some times that they were like what is this you know I remember <laughs> yeah. some, like, nine inch nails and things like that where they they would be like what did what did he say you know <laughs> it was serious so I, I, I can picture that you know, one of the coolest things, though, I think about our people our age growing up, you know, with give or take three or four years in front of the back of it, is that what pop music or popular music, I should say, at that time was a bit of everything. It wasn't mm. just it, what, people weren't chasing a thing. Yes. It, it was a lot of like because you could have Nine Inch Nails, you could have R.E.M., you could have, you know, uh, after seven, you could have Babyface. You could have, you know, you mm -hmm. could have all these different things, and they were all popular at the same time. Yeah, and it was cool, and everybody was listening to everything, and nothing sounded alike. You know, I'm not saying that everything sounds alike today, mm -hmm. but you know, it kind of people, ch you know, people are chasing a thing. You know, which I get it. There's a formula you want to chase or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, I love that that about being a younger kid because like you could. Like have a Nine Inch Nails record, you could have an REM record, you could have a Babyface record, you could have, you know, an NWA record, you could have a Frank Zappa thing, you could, you know, it was all of that, and it was all relevant at the same time. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is cool, or Fiona Apple, you know, you know, it's like yeah. you could it go all. all it yeah. was all talented, like in its own right, right? Like it, and in it, in its own way, like there was so much talent. I think about the '90s as like such an amazing time in music and you know I felt lucky that it was like my formative years of of getting into music and playing and learning and all of that because there was so much and it was so diverse just all the styles and oh, yeah. I felt like I was into pretty much everything at that time and like was just you know consuming music as it was coming because it was there was so much new you know oh, like yeah like Absolutely. you just mentioned Fiona Apple. Like, I think when she came out, I was like, what is this? Like, it was so different and the music was so great. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, the lyrics were great and all of that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing time to be like discovering music, I think. Oh yeah. No, I, I loved it. You know, and, and, and what was really fun too is like, you know, the nineties kind of brought some strange incarnations of bands. So like, I didn't, you know, my first time hearing of Van Halen was with Sammy Hagar. Mm -hmm. You know, Lee Roth was a solo artist when I was, you know, when I got hip to them. Right. Because um, I loved MTV. I was a big MTV kid, right? Mm -hmm. But, Me you too. know, I just, I didn't know the history of Van Halen. So I didn't, I didn't realize that Daily Roth was at one point in time in Van Halen. Mm -hmm. I just knew Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. So the first like Van Halen song I remember hearing was Right Now. You know, and right. I was like, oh, cool. All right, I remember that. And then I didn't buy the record, but I was like, I like that song, whatever. But then they came out with that record Balance. And that was like, and that was the first Van Halen record I bought. And I love it. I still love that record today. But mm -hmm. people would be like, that's not a Van Halen record. That record sucks. <laughs> but and I'm like, oh what? my gosh. I was like, but, is... but David Lee Roth has just a gigolo. That I like that too. But that's <laughs> just so I'm like, they were together, you know. And so, yeah. 
I know there's a lot of that. Yeah, there are a very strong opinions about yeah. which is better and who is better and all of that stuff. But exactly. that's so funny. But I but think like cool so listening it, to like your musical influences and like how diverse they are really makes sense to like where you ended up in your musical journey because you've had such a diverse um you know experience as far as playing wise with all the artists that you've played with it is yeah. genre diverse for sure yeah I, th I think so i mean yeah i i will say this that was uh listening to music was a big education for me and then i would also play it you know my grandparents are very nice they let me play in the garage all the time so mm -hmm. i was doing that um like i like true story, I learned how to play country music by listening to Little Jimmy Dickens and Brooks and Dunn. Yes. <laughs> so like, yeah. And then I would have never thought years later, like literally 30 years later, I got to play. Well, this past year, I got to play with uh, Ronnie Dunn from Brooks and Dunn. I played like a solo show with him, which is oh. like a dream come true for me. Because I was like, that's how I learned to play drums, hearing that guy, you know, hearing that guy sing. And then 20 years ago, or yeah, maybe twenty about twenty years ago now. The first time I played the Opry, little Jimmy Dickens was the host, and wow. so I got to, I got to meet little Jimmy Dickens, and I was like, "Hey, man!" I mean, I, this is a really funny story, and I can tell this this part of it. But I met him, and he was like, "You are a great drummer." I was like, "Thank you." I go, "My grandfather loves you." Pick us, okay? And then we <laughs> and then we like then we parted ways, and then. About I don't know thirty minutes later, his like personal his like personal assistant guy he came and got me. He was like, "Hey man, little Jimmy Dickens wants to talk to you." I was like, "Oh uh, okay." He goes and bring a pair of drumsticks, and I was like, uh, "All right." So I I literally and it was so this is hilarious, brother. I I like I play big drumsticks for whatever reason, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I was playing these massive Thomas Lang drumsticks, uh, and I were at the Opry, but I bring them with me to meet little Jimmy Dickens. And he's asked me to sign a pair of sticks for him. And then he signed a picture to my grandfather. Oh, so we, so we traded. So he got the six and I got, and I got the photo. And he said to me, he goes, this is my favorite photo because Kenny Rogers took it of me. He goes, and I was like, that's cool. I said, because I used to live like, eh, not necessarily in the same neighborhood, but I lived in the same town as Kenny Rogers. When I was a kid. <laughs> so it was wow. like, so it was, it was really funny, like to to have that little weird exchange there. But anyway, yeah, it just goes back. That's a random story, but it just goes totally. back to like how things will do this if you put them in the universe. They kind of happen. <laughs> Absolutely, like total full circle moments there. That's oh yeah, that's incredible. I mean, Richard um, Marks was the same way. I mean, I, I remember watching uh, uh, Take This Heart, the video of Take This Heart there in the baseball stadium yes. and yes. all that. And I was like, man, that guy's cool. I want to play drums for him. And it was like 15 years later, I had a phone call from Richard Marks. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Unbelievable. So, I I was yeah. going to ask you about that, too, because, you know, he, like, just like you, like, that was was I'm on MTV time, right? And Richard Marks was all was all over it, all over MTV. And um and you know, so getting a chance to play with him, like that must have been really cool too. It was way cool because like, you know, and it's it's funny to uh and, and you know this and anyone that plays music with 
or with anybody, I guess. But you know, if you're as a kid, especially like now, everybody has in ears now. You know, as a kid, you had your Walkman or your tape player, and you had mm-hmm. your headphones, and you know, so you would listen to these records and you would hear this voice. You hear these voices, right? And so, to me, it's funny because when I get to put people you know, that are that are older or from that generation of you know the '90s, when I listen to the music and I hear their their voices in my in ears, it takes me back to being a kid playing along to their CDs when I you know in my in my garage, but we're in an arena. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. now, like so. The, so the audience I used to envision now I'm now I'm envisioning they're not there. <laughs> Yeah, right. So, you know, but hearing that, and I remember uh, Victor Broden, who was playing bass, because basically Victor and I got hired to be subs for Richard for a summer. His normal Mm -hmm. band couldn't do it, couldn't do some dates. So we got hired on as the guys to play with him when those guys couldn't do it. And we ended up doing more dates than we thought we were going to do, kind of deal. And it was a lot of fun. And Victor's from Sweden, and he's, you know, he's a super fan. Uh, he loves uh, Randy Jackson. I love Randy Jackson. We love, you know, Nathan East and all those guys. Stuff like that. So, so one day uh, we were flying somewhere and we're sitting next to each other. And uh, we both had the same Richard Marx CD. Listen, we, we weren't listening to like, we were, we were listening to Rush Street. We weren't listening to like the board tapes. We both had our, our CD player walk <laughs> oh with the CDs listening to the same thing. And we were laughing because we were like, Man, like we're actually like huge fans of this dude <laughs> that we're working with, and he was and he was very nice to work for. And like I said, it just you know hearing those tunes, like I said, coming through your ears, hearing that, hearing the voice of him or Ronnie mm-hmm. Dunn or or you know or anyone that 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 you kind of grow up, you grew up listening to. When you hear those yeah. voices there, you're just like, oh wow, you know, holy shit, you know, oh, yeah. well, so that's that's amazing. I I love that, and you know I. I met um, Richard Marks when he was on the Ringo Starr, uh, the All-Stars tour. And I didn't know he was on that tour. It was really kind of a a funny moment where, like, I'm always guilty of seeing someone in the distance who looks familiar to me and thinking, like, we must be long-lost friends. (laughs) Like, that's that's what goes through my head. I'm like, oh, that's that's must must who is that that must be a friend of mine like why (laughs) why did that go through my head i don't know but when i saw him i was like oh oh who is that i know i know him we must be friends you know that was like my thought and it was funny because like that can lead to an awkward situation because he obviously doesn't know who i am (laughs) right i I know you right Uh, i know you school together no um but (laughs) but but, um you know he kind of like walked toward me and I was like oh hi you know and it started up this really great conversation I I didn't make a fool of myself by saying we must know each other you know but um so nice such a nice person when I realized like who I was talking to I was like oh okay Sarah like (laughs) you're not everybody's BFF but um, (laughs) It was really fun. Like he was such a sweet, sweet guy. And then like to see him go out. On stage and what a, what an awesome tour that is. If you get a chance to see Ringo star, all-star tour. Um, I know I've been close to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet. They've, they've come to Nashville a couple of times 
but uh, I think I have it in now with Bissonette. So I'm gonna yeah. We exchange sure. numbers. I yeah. actually you'll you you probably you'll you'll get this inside joke, but uh, I text he gave me his number, and I just text him a picture of a buffet, <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he skips Kyo. <laughs> this community like uh, right everyone has the same sense of humor everyone has this like you know just camaraderie which is so sweet i love it i love yeah. it so between much. that and the fact that i'm in peter erskine's phone as keo stroud my son i think oh, that's pretty I awesome too. That. <laughs> I, you know, anyone who's listening that's like what are they talking about the panel discussion that we were talking about earlier at PASIC, it was so it was so fun and like the flow of it with Keo and the other guests was incredible. And of course, like there was so much humor that was exchanged. And there was one point where, and you can tell, you can tell the story, but you talked about you sending your mom a picture of you and Peter and you, you could take it from there. Cause it was so uh, funny. Well, I sent a photo of mom. I was excited and I was like, Hey, here's, you know, a photo of me and Peter Erskine. You know, my mom's like, who's that? And I was like, it's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter loved it too. Oh, and his wife was so sweet. She's like, oh, that's a great photo. I'm not sure. I, I guess Peter took the photo. As a photo, she and I hugging, we're both laughing about that, that moment. It's, that was pretty good. So, so that, was, that, that was fun. <laughs> Peter's wife, she's such a beautiful person. I love her so much. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. So good. Um, but I want to hear a story from you. I have to hear this story because I haven't, I have not heard this, but I've heard about it. Um, and it basically involves you being stood up on a date that led to <laughs> your career taking off. So I have to hear this, like, you know. Oh, yeah. What yeah. Okay. So this is, it was 2014. Uh, actually, yeah, it was 2013. Going into 2014, it was New. Actually, yeah, it was New Year's Day. So, or yeah, it was like New Year's Day, day after New Year's, one of those two days. So, I was supposed to go out with this girl, um, who we're we're actually friends now, which is great. And she's, whatever, she's married, has kids. She's great. Her life's good now. So is mine. Uh, so anyway, uh, she stood me up on a date. So I got all depressed and not depressed, but I was kind of bummed because I was like, yeah. I was in, I was. You know, I, I'm kind of like a hopeless romantic in so many ways where I'm like, I would love to meet my dream woman and be dreamy, whatever the hell that means, right? Do dreamy things together. Yeah, just like, just sit there and stare at each other and watch Facts of Life. I don't know. I'm not sure what people do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she stood me up. So um, I was sitting on my couch watching Ridiculousness and just kind of just like, man, I kind of hate my life, whatever. And it's midnight 30 and I get this phone call and I don't answer it. Cause I'm like, I don't know this number. Who the hell is this? Whatever. So I don't answer it. And then they call me again. And I was like, uh, whatever. So then I get a phone call from my buddy, Stoney LaRue. And he's like, Hey man. I was like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey, my tour manager has been trying to call you. And I go, why? <laughs> he goes, well, my, my drummer just quit and we're, uh, we're dropping him off <laughs> in Denver at the airport. 
and we're going to Steamboat, Colorado, and we need a drummer. Wow. Uh, and goes, and so we got you a plane ticket. I hope you can do it. Oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, sounds good. So I'll I'll give the condensed version of the story because it's it's funny. But so uh, I was like, all right, cool. We'll have your guy call me. So the guy calls me. He goes, hey man, so here's the deal. Uh, you have a flight in five hours, basically. Blah, 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 deep stuff, details. Can you bring a drum set? I go, oh my gosh. No, I can't fly a drum set. What the hell is wrong with you, right? So he goes, all right, we'll figure it out. So I, oh, and then, so then he said, it went from, so can you play this one show? I go, yeah. Then it was like, hey, this is actually like a two week run for us. So can you do all of it? And I was like, well, I got nothing going on. I, I had plans with this girl. She bailed and yeah, I'm in. So, and it was a true story. It was January. I had nothing going on. So I did. I packed my stuff, called a cab, got as much drum stuff as I could. It's a snare drums and cymbals. Get to the airport. I get on the plane and realize I don't have any music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're like, what am I actually playing? <laughs> yeah. And it's what 2014. Yeah. I wasn't totally hip to like technology. I was kind of dumb. I actually still kind of dumb, but you know, I wasn't like hip to like downloading stuff mm -hmm. or, I mean, I mean, I, or whatever. So I, I get on the plane, I fly there, I get in, I get to the cabin. Cause like, you know, where they have the way they have it was like, Oh, we have a cabin for the bands kind of deal. And cause mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it was like a festival thing. We were there for like four days or three days, whatever. So uh, the old drummer I knew. So I texted him and I was like, hey, man, I'm not sure what happened, but can you do me a favor? Can you like send me the tempos for the songs? Mm. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, totally. No problem. So he sends me the tempos. And I'm still and I'm and we're texting back and forth. And I was like, so cool, man. So like, uh, are you back home? He's like. No, I'm in the room next to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, what? So we're in the same house. He and I are literally in the same house, but we're not talking to each other. He's like, you know, he's, I, would, I get it. He's doing the same, whatever. He's getting yeah. ready to leave. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I get out in the snow because we're in steamboat and I like mosey around and I'm talking to people. And so I'm trying to find the crew guys so I can get music. Cause like the live stuff was like on a zoom recorder oh my and God. I can't, and I can't find them. I can't find anybody. So and we're playing the next day. So the next morning I showed up to sound check. I'm the only one that shows up to sound check because those guys that do sound check, but I'm the only one that shows up. And at that moment, the guy goes, Oh, here you go. He hands me the zoom recorder and I just plug my, my headphones in and I tried out a 90 minute show. It's, that was my sound check. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <So> I, <laughs> and, it was, and it was kind of a weird deal. And and I and I tell this story and, and it's I'm I'm leaving out some of the some of the dirty details. Mm -hmm. And there's no real dirty details, but you know, it was kind of weird because it was a Texas music festival and I live in Nashville. And so the, the idea that they had brought this Nashville guy in. Because there's, you know, there's tons of guys in Texas that can play drums, and they're great drummers. And honestly, sure. they probably should have called one of those guys, you know. But they called me because we're, you know, we're, I was friends with Stoney, whatever. But mm -hmm. so I'm there, and I'm getting some kind of weird looks from people because they're like, you know, because 
Texas and Nashville, we had we didn't start to really melt melt together or gel together until recently. You know, mm-hmm. as far as like the the acceptance of the two cultures of music working together, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> people gave me weird looks, and so we go to it's we're headlining, and I remember this very well because Cody Johnson played before us, and I met his drummer Miles and his band, and they were like the sweetest guys. And they're like, man, we're gonna watch you play. And I was like, man, this, this is gonna be a shit show. I, I'm reading this stuff. I, I've played these songs years ago, but whatever. So I have a music stand. Actually, I don't have a music stand. I had two cymbal stands. And the way I did it was I wrote, I, this sounds, I don't have a piece of paper in front of me, but like, imagine a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And imagine putting eight songs per paper. So remember how, so the charts are that big, right? Oh my so there's eight, there's so I did that and then I taped them together and then I taped them to simple stands. So I just had like a wall of paper. Wow. <laughs> with, with, with songs. And then and then looking over that, you could just see there's like a little area where all the bands hung out. And as we're playing, I noticed that every band <laughs> Every band's drummer and bass player and bitch people were there watching the circus. They're like, basically, they're like, is this this guy's gonna he's gonna fall on his ass? He's gonna fall on his face. <laughs> so, so anyway, so and the records that Stoney made at that time had two drummers. So mm-hmm. I had a, I had a kit set up to to kind of emulate the two snare sounds and all this stupid stuff, whatever. Anyway, we get through it, and when we're done, everybody's over there going. Wow. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, oh, I did it. Oh. And then we all became the best of buds, blah, 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 blah. So from I go out and do two weeks of those guys. As I'm there for the last day out with Stoney, Rodney Crowell calls me. He goes, hey, I've got a new record coming out. We're going to do a small tour. Are you in? I was like, absolutely. So I tell Stoney, hey, man, I'm going to go do a Rodney thing. Sorry. You got to find another drummer. So I go out with Rodney for four three weeks. And on the last day of that, Stoney calls me and says, Hey man, I can't find a drummer that I like. Can you come out and play with us again? I go, yeah. So I go back to Stoney for two weeks. Well, I'm out with Stoney for two weeks. Rodney calls me again. <laughs> says, Can you come out and play? I was like, yeah. So I'm out with Rodney. Well, I'm out with Rodney. Jake Owen calls me and he's like, Hey, can you, I said, yes. So I go out and play with Jake Owen towards the end of the Jake's thing. I get a call from my buddy Chad Wards. He was like, hey, I got this tour. Can you do it? I was like, yeah. So I, I'm at this point now, I'm doing Rodney, Stoney, and Chad's tour all at the same time, having to sub out some stuff because I can't do all of it. Mm. I'm flying to Spokane, Washington, and Chris McHugh texts me and said, hey, man, can you play the ACMs with Keith Urban? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Wow. He goes, so see you in Vegas tomorrow? I was like, yeah. So Harry McCarthy calls me. We get drums situated. I I call Chad. I said, "Hey, Chad, I'm never supposed to play tomorrow." <laughs> I get I just I, but I had to be in Vegas to do the ACMs rehearsals with with uh with uh Keith Urban, and he was like, "Man, no problem, dude." He goes, "We'll just get Russ to play, who was our buddy who was at with another band." So Russ came in. You know Russ Whitman. So Russ Whitman came out and yeah. he played. He was there already, so he played while I was in Vegas. The next morning, I flew and met those guys, and then we 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 played two shows, and then I flew back to Vegas to do the awards show. 
Wow. And then from there, <laughs> I went back out with Jake Owen. While out with Jake Owen, I got called for the Big and Rich gig. And then the Big and so that's been eight years of that. <laughs> but while out with Big and Rich, Kev Bell called me. And so Kev was like, hey, man, I'm doing a record. And so I came home and I did the Blues Americana record with Kev. And it was, mm -hmm. it, it was just a fucking crazy year. I yeah. did all. I did all the like. Big and Rich put out a record that year, so we did all the TV shows. Uh, Kev's record did really well. It was just, it was just crazy. It was like the craziest year of my life, and mm -hmm. the best year of my life. Which then has just basically set up the next eight years of my life, and it's just bizarre. I know it's like that's a long. Sorry, it's a long story, but no, no, no. You know, it's a great. It's a great uh, story. It's so it's great. Just, it's just, it's just bizarre because I was like. I, I I I strongly feel that if I hadn't gone on a date with that girl, <laughs> I, right? I'd be a, I'd be a janitor right now, which is nothing wrong with being a janitor, but <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't your it wasn't, wasn't your dream, right? And you got to, <laughs> yeah. to start your dream, which is incredible. And yeah. you know, I think like it's a good lesson in um, like taking the opportunities that come because that one thing leads to the next, and then also like being great to work with and like doing what you did, being the one that showed up to sound check, seeking out the music, writing out the charts, not falling off, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and, um, it's just like, that's a testament to you and, and how you work, which is, which is so great. I, I think it's really funny. Cause I never really thought about this until now, but I think my work habits throughout that year and, and then just moving things up to the next level, because I mean, I, I did a bunch of I mean, this is weird. I did a bunch of cool stuff before that. <laughs> I I I had a, I had a decent career before 2014, mm -hmm. but but 2014 put me like in a different spot with people where yeah. I feel like uh, people who didn't know me got to know me more. People who had never heard of me and and I was doing a little bit of everything. I was doing the you know I was doing the big and rich country stuff. I was doing blues records with Kev Mo and Taj Mahal, and then I was mm -hmm. doing Americana with, with Rodney Crowell, and then, you know, then whatever else was happening, you know? And it was fun because I feel like that was my, for the first time I trust myself, mm -hmm. um, and I was able to to, to, to blossom into yes. a beautiful flower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I'm still, and, I'm, and what's funny is I'm still trying to find that because I, that was a hectic year, but man, it really paid off you know, for me. And, and I got to know people a little bit better. I feel like people start to respect what I do and, and, and also how hard it is. Like, you know, going, being on airplanes, being on buses, talking to people, like I was my own tour manager too. It was like, I was having to arrange like flights and, and gear. Like, Oh, yeah. I, remember, I remember at one point in time, I had like four different drum kits out with people. And I, and I, mm -hmm. and I, I was playing Mapex at the time. And I remember Joe Hibbs, I, t I told Joe, I said, hey, Joe, man, like, this is crazy, but I need four drum sets. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And he was like, no one needs four drum sets. And yes. I, then I, he said, no one needs four drum sets except for Kenny Aronoff. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, true. And I said, well, I'm Keo, you know, Aronoff today, this year. So, and yep. I explained what was happening. And he was like, no problem. And so wow. he made it work. We ended up getting, we ended up the kits out. So I, so it made it easy for me. I didn't have to travel with as much stuff. And, and right. Chris Tanky was the same way with Sabian. Like 
I was like, hey guys, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta figure this out. And so we just we were able to get multiples of stuff to help me navigate through that year because it just didn't stop in 2014. That mm-hmm. that kind of thing continued on for five years with at that pace work with everyone. And then the past yeah. three years that have been just have just, just been mostly big and rich. And then subbing yeah. gigs for like Cody and and whoever else that calls. But yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that and that's a and that's a good like testament to having great companies behind you too who like support what you do because you needed that gear support. Um yeah, you know, endorsements all the time and all of that. And I think like that's that's one of the most important things is like having the support you need out on tour. So yeah, I mean that cool. was that was the one thing that was like you know and it was it's funny because you know I think people think that having an endorsement puts you in a different spot, puts you at a different level, makes you cool because you get to be associated with a brand. And I think mm-hmm. that's I mean that is cool, don't get me wrong. It's like you know, if you go to the whatever website and you see your face on their website. Mm-hmm. Every, not only, now you're, you're not the only one seeing that. Everyone's seeing that. And if your face is in a catalog next to Ricky Rocket, who actually is a really good buddy of mine, but, but it's like, yeah. but you know, like, if, like, you know, like if your face is there next to that person, all of a sudden, you know, you're not equals, but you're on the same page. So you are in some way, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're at least yeah. peers. To, to a certain point. So there is there's an element of cool there, but where it really works and where it's really cool is when you need something like four drum kits to make a year work for you or a couple of years work for you. And they go, Oh yeah. yeah. They recognize what you got to do. And you go, yeah. And then it's at the same time, there's always a logo there. There's all, you know, you're, there's a post saying, Hey guys, thanks for this. It's not mm-hmm. just like, Hey, thanks for the free gear. It's like my right. life would suck if you guys weren't here to help me out. Right. And so, and I've just been, I mean, I would say that, I mean, like not to be like plugging companies and all, but like, you know, Pearl is, I've been with Sabian for almost 20 years. I know wow. 15 years for sure. Cause Ava was a baby. Uh, Ava wasn't even one yet when I, when I joined on with Sabian and Ava's mm-hmm. my daughter, uh, mm-hmm. not my dog, my daughter. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, yeah, so 15 years with those guys. I've been at Pearl now for, I think, four years. Mm-hmm. I've been at Vader for about seven years now. I've been at Evans about 10 years. So it's like those guys have been really, really great to you know to me. And, and they, make, uh, they make touring easy. They make sessions easy. Because even now with my life, well, now that I'm more home now, I'm not touring so much, uh, it's a little easier. But before, you know, with Big and Rich, I had an A rig and a B rig. And yeah. that's two... Two giant double bass kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. You know, so it had yeah. that. And then I have a kid at home for recording as I'm pointing to a room that you can't see. And then at Drum Paradise for just your everyday sessions, mm-hmm. I have two kids there. And it was like, you know, and not all that stuff is free, but, you know, they make it to a point where I can, I can work. And, mm-hmm. and it makes it easier where I don't have to take this drum set out to go do sessions. I don't have to bring a drum kit home to go play a local gig, you know? Right. So yeah. there is, so there is an element of like, you know, help there. That's amazing. That I think people should really think about when they start to look into the endorsement thing, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not, and not to go on a tangent about endorsements, everybody does it, but I, it's definitely about a relationship of people who help each other. And sometimes it's just a relationship of people who disrespect each other. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I call Stanky, I call Fark, I call Aaron and I, and, and Brandolini like on um, not a, a weekly, not I say call, but I send them stupid text messages mm-hmm. away from, away from playing because yeah. I respect them as people and we're, and we're friends. I think we're yeah. friends now. I've known them for years. So it's like, we have that relationship. That's not just, I hit you up when I need something. It's like, I right. hit you up when I'm thinking about you. And yes. then I hit you up when I need something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can say like being on the receiving end of that as working in the industry and, and being in AR, like those text messages or those calls that are just like checking in or whatever, they mean everything, you know, it's just like, that relationship means everything. So. Oh, so absolutely. Great. Yeah. You uh, mean everything. You mean no. everything. Yo, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you just mentioned something I want to touch on um, coming off the road and, and, and the change that you had this year with, um, you know, come coming away from the tour life, the, the big and rich tour life. And, I know that that was like, it was a long, you know, it was a decision that you thought about for a long time before you yeah. that choice, but you have really, really great uh, perspective on why and, you know, what it means to you. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, the first thing is this, those guys were fantastic to me uh, for almost, right in about eight years. They were great. It was so fun. So the decision to leave was very hard. But I had two things that were weighing on me. One was I have a now 15, almost 16-year-old daughter who has been very patient with me. Um, and we don't live – She doesn't. I live in Nashville. She lives in Wisconsin. So I don't see her every day. <clears throat> but I decided I wanted to be available for her when she needed me. So I've missed birthdays. I've missed – plays i've missed band concerts i've missed wrestling events I, whatever she wants you know things that mm-hmm. she's that are big for her i've missed them over the, over the years and so this year i was like well i'm not moving to wisconsin there's that but mm-hmm. i do want to be more available to her uh when she wants something because she's been very nice and she's sacrificed you know having my support physically there for her and mm-hmm. has done her thing and, and lets me do my thing so i'm like well I need to do stuff for her. I need to be there for her, especially being that she's, you know, we have two more years of her being, she'll be 16 in March. So we have two more years of her being a child or, or no, or a non-adult. And then she's, then I can't tell her what to do, you know? So she'll be on her way. So I have two more years to be bossy, but, like, you know, right? but, uh, so that was part of it. And, and, and it's worked out great. So since I've been home, uh, she's had things she want me to come to and I've done it. I go do them and we have fun and we talk and, and we're there, we're available, and it makes it so much fun. And then the other side of that was, you know, Big and Rich wasn't going to tour forever. I'm 42 years old-ish, or 43, whatever. I'm, I'm old, whatever. And I wanted to set up the back half of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted to go to the next step of my career, which which would be to play on more records, because I love being creative. Uh, every morning, it sounds so silly, but every morning I go to my kitchen, because it's nasty. I go to my kitchen. I grab something out of it and I hit it with a stick or a mallet and I go to my room and I record it and then try to make a loop out of it. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it sounds like shit, whatever, <laughs> but whatever, but that's what I do. And so I was like, you know what? I need to figure out how to be there more for my kid and then set up the rest of my life. So 
I decided to do more to, to focus on the home recording thing. And mm-hmm. I hit up my like my buddy Lester, I hit up McHugh, hit up Miles and hit up Nick Buda and all of all, and all my friends and, and Caesar, all those guys that were doing it. And they've helped me uh, put together a nice little thing here. And then as a result of that and having good sounds, I also put in the effort and then went to a bunch of songwriter festivals mm-hmm. and played Cajon or, or Conga or Shakers or whatever to drum up work because songwriters, you know, I, I'm not making, I mean, I have made some records, some mm-hmm. stuff, some stuff I've played on has made on records here, but for the most part, I'm just doing demos for people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I want to make it where I can work from home when I want to work or work from home as much as possible, but yet be available for my daughter. So like if someone calls me and says, Hey man, can you track this? And I'm going to go, well, I'm with my kid. I'll do it when I get back. They go mm-hmm. cool. As opposed to I'm with my kid. Hey, we have a show tomorrow. And I'm like, right. well, why with Ava? And it's like, well, and then you're like, yeah. Ava, I got, I have to go. You know, so yeah. or you know, or the thing of I'm I'm tracking something here, and Ava's like, "Hey, Dad, like, I really have a I have a thing on in a couple of days. Can you come do it?" I go, "Yeah." So you just put your mark on the calendar. No, I'm not available. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and and, and so it, it it becomes more of a flexibility thing. Uh, the hard part about that is is it's rebuilding a business, so income sucks. Right, right. I, I, I understand that. That is that's a hard thing. It's hard to kind of like move away from something that's uh, steady, you know, and and reliable and that kind of thing, and do your own thing. But like, it's amazing that you have control over your time now and what you yeah. do and what you don't do, and that's so freeing. And I know about that myself. And yeah. It's like, you know, it's yeah. um, it's an amazing thing, and then also to be able to give to your child like that—that's yeah, just and friends. Cool. Like I have friends that I never get to see. That yes. now I get to see my friends, yeah. family. I don't go see my family. No, uh, I will see them. But you know, it's <laughs> like I. It, the cool thing about it though is that as this is as this whole thing is happening, I feel like I'm building something. I, I you know, mm-hmm. the I'm getting more busy at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm super happy. Uh, and it's and it totally reminds me. I'm in the Nashville almost 22 years ago, mm-hmm. so this time reminds me of 20 year old Keo mm. uh, with a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more back pains. Uh, but it reminds me of that same time, and I had that same uh, youthful thing. I say youthful, but I, I'm I have that that quest to go find stuff and yeah. find who I am and and find work and find yes. people. Uh, Cause you know, basically everybody that I work with, you know, like working with Big and Rich, I don't work with Big and Rich anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's, that's over, over, but like they have, a, they have a drummer. <laughs> so, yeah. they're not, so they're not calling me, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and things like that. So I'm, I'm having to rebuild uh, my life mm-hmm. and it's strange and it's fun. It's uh, I, stressful is not the word. It's just challenging because mm-hmm. you know I, I, we know you know we get into our routines. We know what we're used to. We know what we're used to having financially, emotionally, uh, what creates you know creative wise, creatively, and all that stuff. Words I don't know what I'm making up, but you know it's like we have all <laughs> we have all this stuff dictionary. Yes. Uh, but you know, uh, and then all of a sudden you like you get dropped into a hole of freedom. Mm-hmm. 
and not and not and and that's and you're like oh wow I you know it's like it's like being in space and you see a star and you're like that star is close and then you realize that some bitch is like you know 350 million years away sure. yeah <laughs> but you but you're gonna get to it you know but yeah. you're gonna go you're gonna you're gonna get there and so yeah. it, that's that's kind of where life is now and it's yeah. it's very well, it's very enjoyable. And, and, and you know that you'll get there because you know how hard you can work and what you can do, you know, with your creativity. And I think like, that's an important thing to recognize as well. And I just, I just want to say you posted a photo not that long ago on Instagram of you as a kid playing drums and the smile on your face was (laughs) so great. And it's the thing that struck me is like, it's still the same. Like that's still the same smile. You're still so happy playing and like Uh, what a gift that is to be happy. Right. At the end of the day, you know, things might be hard or stressful or uncertain, but like the thrill and the, the happiness and the love for what you're doing and the creativity is the same. So like, you know, that's, that's so amazing. And I also want to say that, um, I also I saw a clip of you sampling bathwater, right? And like turning it into a loop. That's yeah. stuff, like I am that's like my thing. I love, <laughs> love, love stuff like that. And it was so great. I was just like when I saw it, I was like, Yeah, yeah, this is so great. Yeah. Keep doing that and, and you know, keep discovering new sounds because like how fun is that to do it's it's fun it's like it's a it's a blast and you know and i'll say this too you know having people having friends uh to to help you along the way is so good to support you you know i mean we talked Mm -hmm. about companies and stuff like that but like having like just friends like having people like that you that you know that that say that go hey man you got this you can do this or or hey man, I'll you know I'll recommend you for a gig, or yeah. hey I have a gig, can you come do it? Or I have a session, whatever. Man, that's yeah. so cool. Like having the community around you uh, is awesome. And and you and one of the things you have to realize, and I'm and I'm having to realize is that just because you're not busy doesn't mean that the community is not with you. Yes. Like because people always think, man, if I'm not busy, no one likes me. Blah blah blah. I've been there. That's the anxiety talking, right? Sure. But the the thing is that you have to realize that like. Everything has a season, you know. It's like mm-hmm. it's like rain, you know. It's like this rain is sitting there going, "I can't wait to rain! I can't wait to rain!" Well, wait, 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 and then it rains. That's how that's how our careers are, you know. Where it's like things have things have to happen, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, mm-hmm. it's there, and then it mm-hmm. can be there for some people. It's always there, yeah. You know, but like I imagine Steve Gaddis probably had a year or two where people didn't call him. You know, or, or whoever, you know, I've had times where I'm like, well, thankfully I have money saved up, yes. but no one's calling me right now because they don't, they don't need what I have to offer right now. But doesn't mean I'm a bad player. Doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not a desirable you know, person or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it does mean that, but like, but for people who have had, who've been working, it's like, you just have to realize that you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Just don't stress about it. And, and don't think that because your phone isn't ringing right now that it's not going to ring for something because one of the things I'm now learning is that if you want to, if you want something, you have to be available for it. Mm. And if you're unavailable for it, 
then you, it's never going to happen. You know I mean, I, I, this, this year happened a couple times where I got a call for some stuff that, and I'm a really like loyal person where like, if I say I'm doing something, I do it. I don't tend to, I don't tend to back out of it. Mm-hmm. But I got called to do like a couple of tours in Europe and I had one gig, one gig that interfered with it. And I turned down the tours. Oh, but yeah. and, and it sucks, but that's, you have to, it's, sometimes you have to do that. It, you know, obviously it depends on, you know, if Lady Gaga had called me about doing the right, tour, right. I'd be like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you know, but yeah, well, there's a sense of that and people recognize that and they appreciate that loyalty, you know, also, you know, we're like, yes. even like I just, I was just out with Cody Johnson and they asked me to sub almost nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And they were like, they're like, Hey, we don't think we have shows, but can you block off this week? And right. I was like, absolutely. And so things came in for that week. And I said, no, hoping that this was still going to happen with Cody. <laughs> and, it, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it did. It ended up happening. And so, and it was good. And they were like, hey, man, we really appreciate you, you know, doing the work and blocking mm-hmm. off the time to do it. That means a lot. I said, hey, man, you guys asked me to do it. I did it. And I feel like that approach uh, goes a long way with people. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying because I did it, but I think as the, I think a lot of people do it. And that's what keeps them working and keeps them going and it keeps yes. the respect happening, you know, throughout, you know, throughout your career. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And that'll, and that'll keep the phone ringing too, because you get a reputation of being reliable and having integrity and all of those things. And, you know, that can only help you in the future. And you just mentioned Lady Gaga and I have to say, I saw a clip maybe a couple of days ago of her talking about um, your dreams, right? So like, she was, she was saying something along the lines of, you know, you can, whatever it is that you are looking to do, you will do it if you're willing to just keep going, right? To just like keep moving forward. That's the hardest thing because, you know, you, like you talked about the star, so it's off in the distance and you know, you're going to get there, but It might take a long time, naysayers or whatever, but, um, but what I found is if you have that community, you've developed that community or you've, you've established it over the years and paid into that community too. Right. And it comes back to push you forward, right. To like be there for you, um, and reach out and rely on those people because that's, that's what oh. gives you, you know, that oh. push forward. And I think that's super important. And just keep going no matter totally. what. Moving oh. forward, you'll get there. I tell people all the time, so this is a funny thing about me. Uh, because I moved here as a young man with no family here um, and lots of eagerness. I was a very eager guy. I, and also, I love music. Um, but I would go out every night. And I would go and see people play. And it wasn't because I was trying to get gigs. I just mm-hmm. loved music. And I, and I loved supporting the scene. And I still do it. And I tell people this all the time. You get out of it what you put into it. So if you don't put anything into the community, you can't expect to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if you, you can't expect your neighbor to cut your grass for you mm-hmm. every week if you never go cut their grass. Right. You know what I mean? You can, you know, and, and as silly as that sounds, it's so true because 
if you're out there and you're supporting people because for the right reason, because you want to support them, they yes. actually will want to support you because they go, man, this person is giving to me. I want to give to them. And all of a sudden you, you have a, you have a, a giving conversation going on and it's going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that I feel like makes a lot of people successful in the music business. Like you see people like, like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to use James Taylor for an example, but you know, you have James Taylor and he's had several drummers throughout the years, but he always goes back to Steve Gadd, mm-hmm. you know, he always goes to those guys. And I feel like, and, and it's, and it's happened from, you know, uh, you know, when they were, you know, years ago. And I feel like people come up together because they help each other mm-hmm. as opposed to like, well, I'm here. So I'm just going to hire this person here. And it's like, right. no, like everybody can come up together. You know, like when I see people like Rodney Crowell and Emily Harris and Vince Gill uh, and and the Guy Clarks and the Towns Van Zandt at the world, I see those, I see that community. And I see that where like, when one person does this, they all do that. Yes. And it does that, you know what I mean? And it's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. And and it's, and if your if your people are talented and they can do the job, then you bring them with you because they, that's mm-hmm. your support system. And you and I and I see those people because I've worked, you know, I've worked with Rodney Alper now, on now for almost 15, 16 years. And I and that's one of the things I noticed that even today, he can go to make a record with Emmy Lou. He can go make a record mm-hmm. with Vince. You know, or you know, when I was playing them, we sometimes we'd play festivals with guy and we'd share a band or whatever. And it was cool because you have these people who collaborate professionally and personally, and they just kind of they're they're all doing this. And I go, that's the secret. <laughs> like that's like that is that is the secret to being successful is to not only when you come up meet new people, but also when you have people that support you, you support them and, and mm-hmm. lift them up. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm babbling, but you know what I mean? It's no, like, it's <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's so great. but like, I, you know, I've had a lot of time on my hands this year. So I just, you know, I just think a lot, but you know, but, it, but it's true. And I've noticed that for myself where like, there are people that I worked with years ago that I still work with and we yeah. hired each other. There are people mm-hmm. that I, I work with years ago that I don't work with. Um, and because they they've done their thing and it's cool and they've got a whole other set of things going on, but I'm still happy for them. Mm-hmm. When I see when I you know and I don't talk to everybody every day, but like if a friend of mine gets like musician of the year and I haven't talked to him in like a year, I send them a message going, "Man, congrats!" Because I'm really yeah. happy for them because I remember when we were, when we both talked about, "Man, that's what this will never happen for us," and then it happens for them. You can't help but be happy for them. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And and that's the and that's the friendship that you know is lasting because you can do that after a year and it feels like you know you never lost touch or you never stopped texting or whatever like I, that's that's a beautiful thing too but I I think we're both very very lucky to be in this industry that has that support system and and also you know it, it all it has to do with what we've put into it too and I think that's a really important thing. And you've done such a great job of that. And the community in Nashville is so incredible. The drumming community is just like it's way the cool. very best. Yeah, we're all you know, we're all friends, even though we make fun of each other. We're yeah. all we're all we're all friends. Like we all, you know, we all word. yeah, I mean we all get it. You know, it's like everybody came here with a dream and then and some people live it, some people don't, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember there's a 
I, I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but I, I remember watching that Nathan East documentary that Yamaha did and Ricky Lawson's in it. And, and he said, some people come here with their dreams inside of them and they never get to live them. Mm. Because if I get to live my dream and I thank, I thank you for making that happen. And I, and I, I live by that quote because it's like, man, how many people do we know that would dream of doing what I do? You yeah. know, even though I spend a lot of time on the couch, but like how many people would, dream, you know what I mean? It's like, I, you know, I, I post, I took a photo uh, last week when I was out with Cody and it was like, it's the first time in a year that I basically had been out playing arenas since mm-hmm. just leaving the big and rich. And I took a photo of that and I, and I stared at it for a couple of days and I was just like, holy shit, man. Like I am living my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm living several other people's dreams right now. There's so many people that want to be here and I'm here. And I, and the way I think about it is that when I get to those opportunities, I have to live them for not just myself, but for everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's why when you go out and do those, when you're out and doing those gigs, got to be thankful and be happy. I mean, I, I mean, the audience doesn't give a shit that it took you 22 hours to get there. Right. You know, you know yeah. the person that's, that wish they were doing it would 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 do thirty six hours walking to get there. Right, right. You know what I mean? So, true. so you have to all that stuff you have to take in and be appreciative to it. Uh, and and it can get it can get routine, and you can be like, oh my god, we're at the Hertz Center again. Uh, catering right. sucks. Then you're like, yeah. there's, some, there's some homeless people, so there's that. You know, well, you or know, you know, whatever. I really do think that that the pandemic reset a lot of that for a lot of us. Um, You know, I was, I was tired, you know, I feel like, I feel like I think about it and I took a lot of things for granted. I took, you know, the opportunity to be out all the time at live shows for granted a little bit. It was like, that was, that was life. And, and, um, and it was like the pace that I was living, like you talk about, um, you know, the pace on the road and everything, but the pace that I was going at was exhausting. Um, you know, and so like, I think about it now and I'm like, okay, like as, as terrible as that time was the perspective reset, I think was like necessary for me personally. Um, you know, it was a big life reset as well, but like, um, it gave me such appreciation for those moments and not to take anything for granted. And I feel like even, even being at a venue and like appreciating the surroundings, appreciating the people who work there. Like it's just a different feeling now. Oh, totally. I mean, and you know, it's, it's, it's also the thing of just like, man, all right, I'm, this is what I do. Yeah. And I'm, and, and it's not necessarily who I am. This is what I do. This is my job. And I'm very thankful for it. Like, you know, I am, this is going to sound really bad, but whatever. But at the end of the day, you're, I'm one of the best out there. Right. <laughs> it sounds horrible. But, you know, no. like being a musician is no different from being a professional athlete in this in this manner that I'm about to speak in. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not the best. But, you know, I put the hard work in just like those guys that put the hard work in. And the percentage of people who get to do what I do and what those guys get to do is very tiny. Mm-hmm. And 
yes, you work hard because, and you and you're there because you deserve to be there, but that doesn't mean you can take it for granted because you just you've you've made it. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I've made it per se, but I've done things that people have not had a chance to do, and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I say that, and I I equate that to being a professional uh, athlete because those guys they get judged on being the best. Like they're the best. I'm just doing it. I'm not the best, but I'm doing it. And but but in, in saying that, our lives are kind of parallel in, in that manner. Where I'm I'm not I'm not I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, but it's like I'm one of the few who's who are dumb enough to do it. There we go. We're great. We're but you know I, what I mean? It's like, and, and you have to, sometimes you have to think about that and you go, man, I've, I've worked hard to accomplish this thing. Mm-hmm. So because of my, my hard work, I should never take it for granted. Yes. And, and I should let, I should also not let people take me for granted um, mm-hmm. and do whatever I can to help people live out their dreams. I love that. I think that's, that's the best way to put it. You that's know? a great way to put it. I love it. I love that. And I really so appreciate you coming on today and like imparting some of that perspective. It's, it's really great. And, you know, it's been awesome to, to watch you, you and your career and the changes happen and you succeeding through it all. So keep going. I can't wait to see what's next. I'm, I'm going to probably fall. No, you know, I, you know, I, I will say this, I said this at the, at, at the panel, you know, embracing the unknown, you know, mm-hmm. how like basically the unknown became more, uh, more in your face during COVID, but the unknown has always been there. Um, I am once again, back on the embracing the unknown and, and knowing that the unknown doesn't always have to be bad. We always mm-hmm. associate the unknown with being bad, but the unknown could be the greatest gift ever. Yes. You know, the unknown could be that I could have a text message, you know, when we got the phone from for a gig, for a session, or it could be my grandmother saying hi. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Or, you know, so the unknown doesn't always have to be feared. Uh, it can be embraced. And sometimes the unknown is something horrible, like a, a death or or whatever or something like that but you have to have a healthy perspective to embrace it and it is i think or she says i think it's healthy to embrace it and it helps everyone moving forward because it takes the fear out of the future you know like Mm -hmm. this sounds so silly there there should be no fear in future it should Mm. be all eagerness excitement you should be yes. excited about what's especially if you live if you're living your best life if you're living a good life and you're a good soul then you should have nothing to fear about you should all you know like i said life can happen but life mm-hmm. happening doesn't always have to be bad life happening can be great i feel like you and i and and people that we know have, have all had great lives even when quarter when things come back to set us back or mm-hmm. set us up you know it's like it's weird you know you don't always you know like I, I, you know it's like when you when you pull a bow and arrow right it doesn't you don't shoot the arrow from there right you pull mm-hmm. it back mm-hmm. and then you release and sometimes that's what life is you got to pull back aim and then release 
as stupid as that sounds, it's like it's it like it works. That yeah, that's, that, I like that. That's a that's a great way to put it. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for your future and you know just I'm just excited. all the good things that are going to happen. Let's do it. Let's do fun yeah. stuff. Well, thank you so much, Keo. I really appreciate you coming on today and spending the time in, in uh, sharing. So thank you. Thank you. I had so much fun. Thank yeah. You. We'll do it again <laughs> soon. We'll see each other okay. soon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Like, All right. You take week. care. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.